0: episode 226 above ground podcast closer to the heart disclaimer the host of this podcast timothy patrick and will foley are by no means medical professionals however having lived experience with mental illness themselves they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis by sharing their stories they hope to create connection by creating connection they hope to help you find your purpose and through purpose we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the peer perspective, it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley.
1: Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below.
0: No, no, you can't, Timmy. Good evening, my friend.
1: What's up, man?
0: Uh, What's up? Ty, I'm tired tonight, man, but yeah, uh, we jumped on in an evening for some special conversation with a good friend of ours. Uh, We are joined tonight by Karen Bona, and uh, Tim's going to do
1: a little bit more of the intro, and we're going to get into a nice conversation. No, that's a good... That's a good intro <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything uh, planned I, you know Karen's Karen's from the uh the stages circle you know everybody's that's favorite, right. yeah everybody's favorite flavored, uh, uh metaphysical uh, boutique yeah she's a but yoga teacher and yeah she's uh, she's she, awesome. she she's been teaching in other areas so we'll just let her tell tell uh tell everybody where she where she is and where people can find her and what she's up to
2: oh geez. Karen welcome.
1: Hey. Thanks. Good evening. Good Thanks. evening. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. I've never been on a podcast before.
0: Well, good. Then I'm glad that you've come on with us because that's yeah. really cool because obviously we know each other and the conversation can take many turns. So why don't we just kind of get into your all of your professions because you kind of encompass a lot of things that we talk about on Above Ground Podcast.
2: Yeah, totally. So I wear many hats. Um, By day, I work for Tannenbaum Center for Interreligious Understanding, which is a mouthful. Um, I work in the healthcare division of that nonprofit organization. And my job now is basically teaching people how to be respectful of people who are different from them from a religious perspective, In healthcare settings.
0: So, wow, that's I did not realize that's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. I'm getting
2: better at explaining it. Like, when I've been in the role, only I'm new to this role. So, I worked 20 years in healthcare to get to this place. And as you were talking about a second ago, like, I'm also an ordained interfaith minister. I teach yoga, all of the spiritual stuff that I do and offer and talk about is all based on my own healing personal healing journey too which is why i'm excited to talk to you guys
0: which we're so excited to have you too because you bring us such a good vibe when we're together and um if you were at upstate punk rock flea market this in the within the last month or two you may have seen karen there because you were at this one no the last one wasn't it I'm tr- I, I'm running into things, man. Because we've seen each other, we've, we've seen we, have, run in, we yeah. have seen each other. That's what I'm trying to think. Where uh, I can't remember where we've seen you now. <laughs> like, oh my god, I've seen so many people. Um, but we we love you, and you're. It's such a good vibe that you bring, and it's such interesting perspective from the spiritual side. Because we don't. I mean, we talk a lot about mental health, but mental health and the spiritual connection, and you can kind of connect all that together with us.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, for me, developing a spiritual practice has been key to my own healing journey as, as both like a wounded healer and a person who is always on a healing journey. I always forget to tell people that I'm a Reiki master teacher as well. I don't know why I forget that one or save it till last. It just kind of floats in when I, when I remember to say something about it, but everything that I've studied and done has really required me to like practice first what it is I'm going to talk to somebody else about or learn something about. And I never, ever want to stop learning about all the things. It almost doesn't matter what I'm learning. As long as I'm learning something, it's a good day. (laughs)
0: So, was it your spiritual path that led you to yoga, such as maybe the Bhagavad Gita, and maybe I'm jumping ahead, or is it something entirely different?
2: No, you're right on the you're you're right on the money. So, I um, am an ordained interfaith minister, and part of that process required us to write our own personal vows. So I went to seminary for two years. Like there was a whole commencement. I was, we commenced in June of 2020. So my class had to do it virtually because of COVID which required all kinds of very bright, creative people to have to do something very differently than it had ever been done before. But stick to the truth of the organization that ordained us. So we all wrote, Vow, personal vows of ministry and the meat of my minister vow is to embody a love that is both tender and fierce and to use that love to 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 make myself you know on myself and others in all the ways possible all, all the time um, and what I realized very quickly was that I didn't actually love my own body and then I couldn't embody love and talk to other people about it if I didn't figure out how to do that first. And then, as the universe does, there was a yoga teacher school at called the Yoga Vidya Academy that was offering a scholarship, and that's how I that's how I started. It's the-
1: funny be, because I was actually going to interrupt you and ask you your thoughts on: Do you think it's possible to to teach others? without learning yourself for like in, in the case of self-love, you know, it's hard to, cause a lot that I I see that it's, it's sort of a debate for some people. Like some people are like, say that you have to truly love yourself in order to love another, Um, you know, and and it goes back and forth. So I I was, when you were talking, I was actually had that question in my mind and you kind of answered it. So,
2: I mean, not authentic. I don't think you can authentically teach, about self-love if you don't know what you're talking about yeah
1: i think maybe to to that level i that's my opinion like i can teach to the level that i'm at yeah you know not above that right you know right
2: my yoga teacher will say not everybody earns the right to sit with the king because there are some like really challenging yoga poses that if you don't do the prep work and build yourself up, you will fall on your ass or your face or whatever.
1: Oh, um, well, yeah. we know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but if you do the work, then all too well.
1: that yeah, right. And that's and, and that goes with with pretty much everything else, right? You got to do the work or you'll fall on your ass. So the, the 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 you were more on the spiritual side before you even really started your your healing journey, per se.
2: That's a little like murkier in terms of the timeline. Like I if you want like if we're thinking about, um, I started studying Reiki in 2017. I've been in therapy on and off since childhood since the first time my parents dragged me to therapy, unwillingly. <laughs> um So healing has been an ongoing part of my life since I was a young adult.
1: So but you said that it has it it kind of plays a role, right? Like your faith or in your healing.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So um I also am 4 years sober this June. Um and I got sober in seminary. I don't think I would have gotten sober without being in seminary. Um and because it just opened my eyes to it was the first time I found a spiritual community that I really felt seen and held and loved that I had never had those emotions associated with faith and God before, other than from Jamie at Sage's circle. But um, so it really allowed that blossoming to, to really happen in a, in a, Quicker way, you know, really a more transformative way. Do you openly talk about your sobriety? Um. Yeah, I mean, I it yes, yes. I wouldn't mention it in like a job interview or like to a stranger, but yes, I do talk about it openly with people.
0: Okay, I just yeah. that I just I wasn't I that I don't think I knew that, but not that that matters, but. That's that's beautiful and congratulations. I I is in order for that because you should celebrate that. That's a yeah. that's a big mile. Four years is a long time for. Like, oh yeah,
2: the people, very man. first year of my adult life that I spent sober was twenty twenty.
0: Wow, so and that was during I, a pandemic exactly, too. Really?
2: Exactly. If I can do that, like I'm good.
0: <laughs> it was you going to seminary that honestly opened your eyes to. To what life could be like sober or was it opening your eyes to a different view of your spirituality that you didn't know existed as behind the blinders so to speak i guess
2: i think it opened my eyes to a different view of myself and how i could be in the world and how i wanted to be like who i wanted to be um and no and refusing to tolerate anymore um anything that wasn't that and I you know I got in a car accident for that what that I got in while I was drinking and that scared the shit out of me and heart like enough that I haven't drank since
1: well that's a good thing the yeah. the not the not drinking part that is. Right. <laughs> right. You know, um it's funny because Will had mentioned, do you normally speak about your sobriety? And the first first word that came to my mind is vulnerability. And you had we had talked about vulnerability before, and you had mentioned um, historically vulnerability has not been valued in the in society, which which often leads to being makes it harder to be vulnerable.
2: Oh, for sure. I remember, um, I have a really good therapist now. I really, really like them a lot. Um, I, we get, I get a lot out of it, but I remember when we first, when I first started working with this therapist though, I asked them once, what's the difference between vulnerability and neediness? Because I didn't at that time understand the difference because I, my, my conditioning was such that I express a need. It does not get met. Therefore I stop expressing my needs to others. Will's nodding. Uh, Yeah. Isn't that part? Isn't (laughs) that part? That's part
0: of codependency. And that's like, like I've learned that about myself, like in, in recent, the last couple of years of really doing this deep work, that was a big part of my problem. Like once I didn't have a need met, I shut up. And I would find ways to satisfy it myself, whether it was good or not. And mm-hmm. most of the time, it would just take you
1: further away from the mark most of the time. Yep. So was the, did you, would you say the drinking was more of like an escape from that? Did it kind of help lead you?
2: It was, to- it, it was medicinal for me. It was an attempt to just self-medicate. Sure. Yeah. Right. And at first I was more fun when I was, you know, cause I, 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 I'm a little bit funny sometimes and I was a little bit funnier and a little bit more outgoing and a little bit more courageous until I wasn't right. Until like all alcoholics, until I became that, that Jekyll and Hyde Karen that we don't like to bring out that person. I don't bring out in public anymore.
0: <laughs> right. It was that it's that one tip over too far where, you're just a sip or two away. And then all of a sudden it teeters the other side. And then that side comes out. I, unfortunately I have spent a lot of time in my life dealing with both sides of the bottle to be honest with you. Cause mm-hmm. I, I, I question my drinking personally all the time sometimes because I'm just observant of it, but I also grew up in an alcoholic household. So I know Damn. all of the things and I, like all of the sleepless nights and just the chaos that it creates. And I never wanted to create that for myself. So I celebrate you and I'm so grateful that you're still here, that you were, that you're sober now and that you're able to like, look at it and celebrate it and do something positive with it. and yeah. And look at yourself in such a good, positive light,
1: like you should. Well, thank you. Going back to vulnerability. Do you think vulnerability is is like a path to validation say
2: I think so I think so because I think if when one, when a person is uh, like auth- authentically vulnerable really expressing what is at the core of what makes them them they open themselves up to the potential for validation um but if if i'm not vulnerable about what matters to me i'll never be able to get that 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 which matters to me validated if i don't ever tell anybody what it is um I you can't
1: I, ever get what you don't ask for basically
2: exactly, exactly yeah exactly
1: yeah and sometimes i think that's the the you know it sounds silly as we just sit here and talk about it but that sometimes is the, is the biggest hurdle is just Being able to ask, you know, to ask for what you want, you know, in a, you know, a way that's respectful to you and to others.
2: Yeah. And even now it's scary. Even when I think about asking something, like if it's something that really matters to me or something that I feel really strongly or passionately about, I am, I'm, it, it, I call it terror because it really feels like danger, danger be careful. Like, don't, you know, because that to me, that, that you're exposed, you know, the heart open. Yikes.
1: Yes. Yes. The war, yeah. the, the warrior pose when your heart's open. Right. Really? Right. You know? Yeah. So do you think for you is being open, is it more of your, what was the word? Terror? Are you terrified of, of not having your needs met? or is it just the the thought of being vulnerable
2: it's more the thought of being vulnerable it's not i i think the the work that i've done has allowed me to realize that most of the time i can meet my own need whatever it is i have the internal resources to meet whatever it is but if that need is Validation from another person, you know, because I am a very sensitive. My feelings get hurt easily. I laugh easy. I cry easy. Um, and just living in that now, fully present, open-hearted, facing the world in this way, um, I th- is sometimes terrifying and important and and that's not a reason to not do
1: it that's, that's good well said that's very yeah. well said. definitely not a reason i like, like that
2: yeah
1: yeah it is and it is terrifying open yourself opening yourself up like
0: that but you also it's also terrifying on the other side to receive some of this stuff sometimes yeah not, te- not as much terrifying as it is tiring as yes. i found as i found out recently when we were at Nipperfest this this year, which is where you were the day that you, when you, that's right. That's what it was like. I'm like, Oh my God, it was Nipperfest. But when, when you were there that afternoon, I had been brought to very heavy conversations within like an hour and a half and Sunday, I just literally just melted down in my Yay. cow. I was just like, I was toast. I just, it was so much. It was so much. So how do you keep yourself is it your spiritual connection that keeps you that keeps you maybe um that keeps that that nice little spiritual guard around you does that help you what um, keeps you what keeps you grounded during the chaos
2: i so several things like i have people around me you know i i have like specifically and intentionally chosen the people that I seek validation from, uh, for example, or that I am more value more vulnerable with certain people than others, um, because practice has taught me that 're they're, they're safe to be vulnerable to or they're it, it, they're at least accepting or kind um but I also have certain practices that I do daily um and on a somewhat less frequent basis to keep myself just above above ground if you will um <laughs> I was going to say above water and then I was like no no wait <laughs> forgot who I was talking to. <laughs>
1: Unintended.
2: That's right. That's right. Like there are certain like I don't skip my morning meditation. I don't skip the breath work that I do every day. I get a good night's sleep. Um, I feed myself well. I move my body every day. Like those are well, I move my body almost every day. I move it at least some more than I used to. More than I used to. I was really a sedent- sedentary kid. Like I always had my nose in a book. Um, because I'm such a curious person. And that was the, the the safest place to learn from in the alcoholic household I grew up in. I could, uh, I could get a lot more out of books. Uh, was I was
0: going to ask, was it a safety thing of you yes. just keeping your face in a book and yes. it was easy? It was a good distraction for yes. you that, okay, see, so yes. mine was music. And that's why I was like all the time, all yeah. the time.
2: Yeah. Like I learned to read at a very young age. I could read by the time I turned four. And I, I believe that I was blessed with that gift to get me through childhood and to help me learn learn how much joy there is in learning. I heard on a different podcast, somebody said that for years, she looked at her physical body as nothing more than an unfortunate container to carry around her brain. And that was really how I looked at my body for most of my life, most of my life, until I probably, probably until I had kids. And then I was like, oh, I, I can do other things. Look at that. <laughs> Granted they're teenagers now. So that's a whole different. Yeah.
0: Yeah, That's, that's gotta be a, that's a whole other trip right there. Yeah. As the, <laughs> as the father of a teenager over there. And as the, as the father of a soon to be teen, I'm like, i I'm, freaking the fuck out but hey that's for another conversation
2: <laughs> i don't think i really answered whatever you asked me though i i think i kind of went off on a little tangent so i don't remember if i did
1: no you did because he asked you about the basically what 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 keeps you grounded
2: oh yeah okay. and you said yeah. you,
1: you know your morning meditation you try and move your body um yeah. you totally got it
2: okay
1: and you're you're kind of uh i guess lucky in the aspect where you you get to teach yoga. So, um, it kind of makes you like, you can't miss it once in a while, right? right. Cause you're teachers. So it's got that, it's kind of hanging over your head. Like you have to do it sometimes.
2: Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: definitely. Where yeah. can, can you, um, can you let our listeners know where you are teaching?
2: Sure. So I teach twice a week at Sage's circle. That was where I very first started teaching yoga i teach there on wednesday evenings at seven and saturday mornings at 10 um i also recently started teaching at heart space yoga and healing arts in albany on madison avenue i teach a beginner's class there on sunday mornings
1: and you do you you're available through the sage circle for reiki sessions too correct or no okay
2: i am i do Reiki by appointment at Sages Circle. I also just started teaching Reiki. So I have the level of attunement that is called Reiki Master Teacher. So I can teach other people how to do Reiki. And so I've done a couple of rounds of Reiki 1. I'm almost done like curating my Reiki 2 curriculum. And we'll be offering that at Sages in the fall. My Reiki 1... Title is DIY Reiki. It was one of the first things I liked about your book, Tim, was that it says it's a DIY book on it. And I was like, Uh, oh, that's cool. This guy knows what he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Of course.
0: (laughs) On your journey right now, where has your healing brought you to this point? Where are you in yourself? Are you embodied or are you still? because i always find this to be a work i don't think i'll ever be fully embodied in my self love i think it'll always be something that i'll be working on just because i've struggled with it for so long that doesn't mean that i don't have it it just means that i have to continually like paint the palette like keep the palette wet and and put it on the canvas to keep it going just to keep it positive but how are you doing and you were
2: Thoughtful question. Well, like, and I think your experience resonates so much with mine as well. Um, I am more embodied now than I ever was, um, and that I ever thought was possible.
0: So I, well, I, I honestly didn't know what embodiment was honestly, until recently, and I don't know where I heard it. I, it may have been like Michael Bernard Beckwith or whatever, because I listen to a lot of the Agape stuff on YouTube because I've been I have a couple of his books and I, I love his stuff. And but I didn't know what true embodiment was until there's been recent, you know, obviously all the things going on in my life and certain things get thrown my way and I'm not reacting the same way. Cause Tim and I've talked about this. We've talked about this on the podcast too, about how you don't realize when the integration happens. It just, mm. kinda, if, if it's a true integration to me, you don't re- recognize when it happens. It just kind of happens. And then all of a sudden you're stuck in the middle of the room and you're not freaking out anymore. Where so that was, I, I didn't understand what embodiment really meant that's kind of, and that, and I didn't mean to cut you off from that. Cause that's where I was wondering where you were on your path as far as, cause you said you've had such a hard time with your physical body. And, and as a guy, I always struggled with that too. Cause I was always a chubby kid and stuff, but you know, but yeah, hey, yeah. you know,
2: wow, that's a, that's a, that's a deep question. Um, when I say I didn't know what embody meant was for a very long time either. So I when I went to college I studied human development and family studies. And at one point when I was in undergraduate my mother asked me why I chose to study that. And I I'm very proud of myself for this answer because I looked right at her and I said I'm I'm I need to learn how not to do things the way you did. Like I need I need someone to teach me another way. Um, but what then I did was I carried that (laughs) information around in my head and lacked the skills to actually apply it to my life. And so I do, you know, in hindsight, I repeated many of the mistakes as we all do that are, you know, that our parents visited on us. So that said, like I worked for a couple of years in therapy with my therapist on how to become embodied, how to recognize, because I dissociated as a child so much that I don't, I, I lack, there are huge, you would have thought I was drinking throughout my childhood. There, there are so such the blackouts in my child, like memory of my life are so huge for huge chunks of my childhood. Is
1: that a, I don't mean to interrupt you, but is that, is that a sign of? Disassociating.
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting. In, in my experience, yeah, like okay, um, like when my therapist even now will say, "Well, do you remember the first time when my my instinct is no, well, fuck no, I don't, <laughs> not not even a little bit." Um, and so we had to work on like gently. I, I would set an alarm and I would remind, I, I would check in with myself. What am I feeling now? What emotion and where in my body do I feel it? And it took like, I was like teaching Bambi how to walk. Like,
0: yeah. Was that a trauma response? Yes. Now those blackouts like were they have you and i and please like you don't have to obviously answer whatever you don't feel comfortable with yeah. but were they triggers to things that you had put off that you didn't know were there repressed no stuff or was it just more of like literally just a defense mechanism of just needing to block stuff out where you're just like I don't want to remember this period of time because of this
2: it was a defense mechanism um but it was a defense mechanism that my body chose because i i don't talk about this as openly but you i'm happy to like you guys are some of my favorite people so i feel comfortable sharing with you that i am an adult survivor of childhood sexual abuse it's something that many and, people experience and is not often talked about
0: and I'm so I didn't I know it's I and and I've wondered about this often when people bring up that they don't remember things or you know they don't have recollection of things. It's like can you explain dissociation a little bit? Because I, I don't know if dissociate like is dissociation more for people that experience those types of things, or is it could it be for any any sort of trauma response that you could disassociate
1: from. I think it can be for any, but go ahead. Yeah.
2: I agree. I agree. Tim. like, I, it can't, it goes for, you know, soldiers can dissociate when okay. they're in a violent, you know,
1: it's just tra- like we we've talked before. Trauma's trauma, you know, big T, little T, but right. it's basically a, a, a it's, it, I don't, I, I'll say a coping mechanism, you know, unhealthy, un, unhelpful co- coping mechanism.
2: Yeah. To well, you know. Yeah.
1: Go and, ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to. Well, no. it's actually not
0: unhelpful though. That's it's actually helpful at the time because that's what they've proven. Like that's that's a true a, a trauma response for someone who can't handle what is going on. Right. And that's what happens. Their body shuts down. They disassociate. Their body, like you hear. All yeah, but things. I think
1: it becomes. I mean, in my opinion, it becomes unhelpful because if you continue to do it, you're adult as an adult. Right. Then it's it's gets in the way of things <laughs>
2: well and just like any other coping strategy that we've picked up like like having a beer to calm your nerves is is one thing but having so many beers that you black out is is a, not a helpful coping mechanism um in my experience there's different like levels of dissociating so I am also prone to just overthinking When I'm awake, my brain is going a thousand miles an hour all the time. And sometimes my mouth is going just as fast because my brain goes that fast. Like my body can't always keep up. And so different levels of dissociation. So getting caught in my thoughts is like, low level dissociation for me like if I am stuck just room in rumination where I'm just the wheels are just turning that is I'm beginning the path to dissociate then there's the sense of like I'm watching something happen to me I am not in my body but I can still see what's happening to my body um and then there's I'm I'm completely checked out I'm not I'm not part of this moment anymore and what was interesting, what you said a few minutes ago, Will, like, you don't know when the integration happens. I remember going to my therapist and going, I was going up the stairs at work the other day, and all of a sudden, I realized I was in my body. And they were like, well, that's really good, Karen. And I was like, and then it happened again later in the day. And the, and like, I was just beginning to realize, holy shit, like, I, I'm doing it. Like I'm, I'm in my body, and so that to me is what embodiment is. And so the practices that I've cultivated are those that keep me in my body.
1: Here's a weird question: Do you think, in a weird way, this dissociation is kind of being mindful? Mm. Because you're, you're essentially, you know, I like the way you explained it. You know, I've always, I've always explained it as like a disconnect, you know, Mm -hmm. you're disconnecting from the reality, sort of your conscious reality in a way, because you're, you're bringing yourself somewhere else. You know what I mean? And you're kind of, you know, all your senses sort of thing, you know what I mean? You're, you're kind of bringing them somewhere else. So you almost have to be aware that the, maybe the moment that you're in is unsafe or or whatever. So you have to be mindful of that in order to bring it Mm to somewhere else.
2: Yeah. I mean, at first I was like, no, I don't think that makes sense. But then when you kind of elaborated on it, it, yeah, that makes sense. I I get where you're coming from. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I mean, maybe it doesn't make sense. I, I that's just where my brain went. So <laughs> I don't know. That's an interesting, uh we should look into more of that. So this association thing.
0: Yeah. I think we got to, cause I was, it's, it's come up a couple of times in some stuff mm. that I've heard, I've heard recently. And I've wondered if, like, I've wondered if there's different, like, levels of disassociation. Yeah, sure. Like I mean, is she, disassociation, she it, I right. And that's what I and you kind of answered that for me, because yeah. I was wondering if, like, you could disassociate by distracting yourself, like you could just mm-hmm. like, that could be a disassociation. And stuff because I, you know, I'm trying to, as we all do, when we're working on ourselves trying to establish like, where my relationships with everything come from, and whether they're healthy or not. And a lot of my, none of my relationships have been healthy. Like they've always had a good thing, but then they've always become unhealthy. It doesn't
1: matter what it is that I'm, doesn't matter what it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that um, too, I mean, I think it used to be, and I could be wrong. um, That like multiple personality disorder now is like disassociative identity disorder, something like that. So.
2: Yeah. So that would be like, You've dissociated so far that you've created actual like um, right right. Yep, but people yeah, like, who dissociate are very good at compartmentalizing, are very good at keeping work at work and home at home and play at play and you know doing, you know that that's also actually something that is a, is a advantage that that the 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 brain that's used to dissociating can also do these other things, can um, hmm. hyper focus on. To it to an advantage and to
1: a disadvantage, right? Yeah. Do you you know I I got I kind of want to go back to something because you had said something that I've found a commonality with like a lot of people that either experience mental health challenges or live with mental health challenges, and it's it's like people that really feel deeply and 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 think deeply. Do you think there's something like a correlation with that?
2: Oh yeah. I like that people who who think and feel deeply are more prone to dissociation maybe? Not even that, just in uh,
1: mental health challenges in general, oh. you know, whether it be anxiety, depression, you know.
2: Mhm. Mhm. I yeah. think I think it could work both ways that they're prone to Struggling with mental health challenges and just prone to like feeling things very deeply in the topsy turvy crazy world we live in just it, it leaves you vulnerable to experiencing things that can damage your mental wellness your mental well being.
0: Karen, thank you so much for being here tonight and thank you for being with us and, and thank you for being a friend. And it's awesome. And I actually right here on the desk that I'm recording on is.
2: Oh, look at it.
0: well, I can't, Uh, uh, you can't, it's there.
2: I see it. I see it. I put it in a frame and I put it on my
1: desk so I can see it all the time.
2: Cool.
1: We usually wrap up with three questions. So the first question, uh, do you have a favorite or a least favorite word? Being a reader, you probably have many, but
2: so many—that's hard. Just one, one word. Yeah, throw throw a couple out of each, whatever. Well, honestly, I th- I think my favorite my favorite word for a long time was macabre because <laughs> it's fun to spell and say.
1: So win win.
2: Um, but really. I think my favorite word now is and. It's a such a simple word. Um, it's so much better than but, which negates whatever came before it. It just leaves room for like more possibility. So it's a much more hopeful approach to language.
1: Hopeful. I like that. It's funny that you say that because I'm just starting to realize that now. Like someone had brought it up to me before and it just didn't really click. And and I was, I think I was actually typing a text at the time. And I said, but, and I'm going, wait a minute. Like I can say like, "end," and that would be like you said, hopeful. That's a, that's a really good way to put it. I mm-hmm. like that. Hopeful is a good word too.
2: Hopeful is a good word
1: too. I, <laughs> I had to throw that in there. <laughs>
0: In an improv, you say, yes, and that's That's like answering. Yes. And yes. And then what's in the box. Well, I got this glove. Oh, and I got in the glove. I'm going to hold the glove of the ball. That's awesome.
2: Once upon a time earlier in my career, will I did a, I did one of the, one of the hats I formerly wore was, was teaching workshops for caregivers of Alzheimer's patients. Okay. It was one of the strategies that I taught them was no matter what they say, take no right out of your vocabulary. Yes, and yes, and here's yes, and here's with an ice cream. Yes, and then we'll go do this. Yes, and yep, totally.
0: love it. So I wanted to ask this earlier, so I, I saved it for this question for you. What is something that you didn't know about your spirituality after you stopped drinking? like what is something when you cleared the glass the lens? of your periphery from the sauce and had enough time away and things, what was something about yourself that you did not recognize before?
2: Something that I didn't recognize that, that I was able to. Maybe you
0: discovered that maybe you discovered, or maybe you were able to like anything there, whatever, like something that sticks out to you that was really like, okay, like, I know I've had time enough away. I know this is not good. Like, this is my path. Like, what is what is something once you cleared those glasses?
2: Mm, that's a great question. Um, I think one of the things that became clear to me was that I wanted to do more with my life than take care of other people. Um, I worked in healthcare for over 20 years as, You know, I started out doing direct care and then worked my way up into case management and manage and and running programs that took care of people who needed help taking care of themselves. And so I was a professional caregiver for a long, long time. And what I learned and what became clear when I wasn't drinking to cope with caregiving was I am capable of an awful lot more than that. That that was a kind of a limiting perspective that I had placed myself. In. It was all I thought I was good at. It was all I thought I was good enough to do. And what be what I remembered was the little girl who wanted nothing more than to learn everything she could and tell everyone she could about it. And I wanted to be a teacher for the longest time for the longest time.
1: And I it's so funny. I'm sorry, but I had to say it because your whole like as you're talking even earlier about all this stuff I'm like the common theme here is teacher like that's what I keep hearing like you're teaching this and you're teaching people to do this yeah that's crazy that's funny that you wanted to be a teacher
2: for for the and and I always pictured myself teaching English because I loved books and so that just went together easily and I love words and people and so I always pictured myself in a classroom and so what's completely amazing to me now is that my classroom is a yoga studio, is a Zoom room where I'm talking to people about religion and spirituality and healthcare and how we're all these intersectional beings that interact in unique, awesome ways.
1: Funny, because that's a perfect example of what Will always says is that you can ask the universe for something, but it may not come exactly how you want it you know and that's a perfect example like teacher you automatically think you know you're in a classroom teaching people or kids or whatever and your classroom is the yoga studio mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: very cool very cool i like that thanks um so if there was something that you would like to see done for mental health as a whole or you could do to change anything without any kind of restraint what would it be
2: Oh my gosh, somehow I would take the money out of it. Like, somehow I would love to have mental health care, mental well being services be accessible to all the people who need them. Reg- which I guess is not just about money. It's about having enough people to offer the services, right? It's more complicated than just the the financial bottom line, but having everybody have access to the mental health supports and services that they need, regardless of what job they have, whether they're employed, who their insurance company is, like all of that bureaucratic nonsense, I would love for that to go away.
0: Good answer. yeah that would be that would be nice if we could figure out a way to do that and i i i i I would love to see that but unfortunately i don't think that's possible
2: yeah that's not one of the and and i
0: don't i don't don't really think it's ever going to be possible because you're never going to get you'll never get anybody to agree on how to how to apply it and who to apply it for and they'll get to pick and choose who they want to serve you know how this works oh
2: yeah privatize
0: everything so we can just cut everybody out that we don't want Right. And then throw you away. So then we have to pick it up. So then they bitch about taxes and they bitch about this because they don't want to pay for the services, but there's nobody there to perform the services either. Like that's the other part of this too, is that there's nobody to work Right, because we don't like maybe, you know, and that's the thing, like we have all these, like maybe we ought to like have some sort of like, maybe both BOCES ought to go back to like have, maybe BOCES ought to have like a an entry level, like direct care position that these teenagers can go work in some nursing homes and get some, mm-hmm. like get some experience, man, get some respect because they could use some of that. Like they could mm-hmm. use some of that knowledge from the older people
2: because mm-hmm. I think that oh, that would help
0: yeah. a lot more because most people like their grandparents. Well, a lot of people like their grandparents. So <laughs> if they thought about them as their grandparents a little bit more, maybe they would go, go make a little bit of money and go hang out with some old people. Yeah. Because there is something about direct care. Yep. And there's something very rewarding about direct care and being involved in it myself. Now I'm like, I wish I had done it a long time ago, but the truth is, is I wasn't ready for it a long time ago. Like I wasn't anywhere in my journey to be there. Yeah. To be be of service. I would have hurt more than I would have helped. Mm. You know, I mean, in reality, I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't say that for sure, but I think there was definitely some attitudes and stuff that I had had before, like, you know, that we have that. Yeah. We we change that we grow.
2: Well, and that's why I think the work that you guys do is so important, you know, to, to supplement, to give people informal supports or non- you know supports perspectives conversations that aren't tied to a bottom line or a insurance form you know just putting that out there in the world you never know who's going to listen to the to the episode or come to the meetup or whatever that that might be the 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 thing that makes that day a good one for them. <laughs> Karen well, thank, thank you, you so yeah, much thank for thank being here. Thank you Karen. Me. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. Really, I'm I'm flattered, honored.
0: Well. Tim.
1: Another episode.
0: Another episode, dude. Another fine interview. Another fine interview. Another fine interview. That's right, man. Week after week, we keep delivering, dude. Until next week, get well. (laughs) Be safe.
1: (laughs) Stay. above Above. thank you for giving us a listen new episodes every Wednesday if you listen on Apple Podcasts you can share, rate, review, and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode other ways to support the show follow us on social media share the content, share our episodes you can also buy us a coffee